Hello and welcome to the 24th episode of the fourth season of Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Well, it's a obituary time once again, Banjo, just yeah, as I thought. fourth of the year. Just as I thought 2019 couldn't get any worse. The, my boy, Ross Lyon, is, mm. is gone. I, I don't care about Jordan Lewis. It, it doesn't matter at all. It's, it's Ross that I'm, I gotta that I'm say, devastated for. i got to say, if there was a coach of your two teams that I thought would get sacked first, <laughs> I thought it would be Simon. My two teams. Yeah, your did two you, teams. You didn't actually think that, did you? There's, there's no, been a, no. <laughs> yeah, so there's been a fair but bit of a... Who deserves to get sacked more? Hmm, that is a good question. That is a good question. Well, it is a good question because Ross obviously doesn't deserve to be sacked. Mate, it was it was years and years ago that I said the the, the day that he went over to Fremantle, I said that he was going to uh, coach them to their first premiership. So. I did fall a little bit short in that you regard. You were wrong. I mean, it wasn't a terrible prediction. He got he got pretty close. He oh got yeah, to he a got granny. within a couple of goals in a so grand final. Didn't they? What they lose that game by fifteen points? Yeah, it was something like that. They actually, when you go back and watch that grand final, they they had a lot more chances to get on top than you can. Than yeah. I think I realised at the time. I still remember it as being. You know what? I'm never going to do one sided. Go back and watch a Hawthorne victory in a grand final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was was it was what during the uh, one of the you know my yeah, uh, yeah, grand yeah. final marathons before a grand final. Yeah, during one of them, it, it was came on. I was like, oh, this was a crap grand final. Like I don't watch it, and it was actually like really close. And Freo had a lot of chances to get back into that. God, he's been a stiff man, old old Ross. He's been a very stiff man. I, I I very much hope that he does come head coach somewhere else again. He deserves the ultimate success. One yeah, day it'd be funny to does. see him go back to St Kilda. Well, that's not going to happen. No, it's not, he, but he, it would he, be funny. He did stab them in the back a little bit. <laughs> look, look, some of his morals may be questionable, but <laughs> he's nah, uh, done a good job him. as a coach, I think. He can, maybe so. he can coach Melbourne when you sack uh, Simon Gooden. Yeah, I wouldn't complain too much. But maybe we should get him across as a... Uh, What's that weird director of coaching or whatever that? Yeah, dumb it's role what is they do when they want you to be an assistant coach, but it's too demeaning to call you an assistant coach. Yeah, that is pretty much what it is. It's, it's basically a, role a senior for the old guy. Yeah. yeah, maybe we'll get him across, and then you can have Richo. Who apparently, we're we're both going after Richo. Yeah. so you can have him. We'll take Roscoe. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, so would I actually. Yeah. All right. Really well, good to see we've made a deal yeah. over this podcast yeah. to see if our uh, clubs yeah. go through. They with should it. just but ask us. We know everything. We always get it right. Overall, banjo. It's a, it's a sad day. It's a sad day, but we can still pick up everyone's mood with the the great segment which begins the podcast, which is Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, of course. The uh, title of this segment comes from the line in the film Happy Gilmore. Uh, the line is Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. And every week we go through and we give three, two, and one votes for the most meaningless games of the round. Not a lot of meaningless games this round. No, Banjo. it was and, it was a good one. Say? My mood does not need to be lifted at all. Mine does. Yeah. Mine does. I had a fantastic weekend. My, my team so Let's sucks. just put that out there. I know people probably expected me to talk about it off the top, that Ben Brown kicked uh, 10 goals. No, you've Todd already... Goldstein had the greatest game by a ruckman of all time. Uh, just... All those big deals, but no, we'll wait. No, you, 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 I'll, I'll wait. you saw me last night, so you've already done enough boasting about it that you could, you could hold off just a little bit longer whilst we talk about the devastation of the loss of Rice. I cannot boast enough about that game. We were so good. <laughs> Shut up. Unfortunately, <laughs> we will get to it and hopefully get through it as quickly as we can. Um, but speaking of getting through games quickly, we should actually get into Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, yes. Banjo. The, the first vote, this is a bit, this is a bit stiff. Uh, Carlton defeated St Kilda by 10 points. It was we've quite given, a good game. We've given them one, one vote. It was a very good game. I, I said to you before, I, so obviously I was mostly watching uh, the Brisbane mm. game, which, I mean, we'll talk about that later. I actually thought, although For a, a great lot finish, of it. 
quite a boring game yeah. for the most part. During halftime, I flicked over to Carlton St Kilda, and it was actually a far more watchable game. The intensity was real high. Both teams seemed pretty desperate to win that game, and the uh, the hype around Carlton at the moment is. It's almost embarrassing for Carlton supporters how excited they're getting. I said the game, the Melbourne-Carlton game that I, well, I don't know how long ago was that, five or six weeks ago yeah. when Melbourne beat Carlton just, and I was just like in shock as to how out of the woodwork the Carlton supporters were, how up and about they were for a team that had won, what, like four games at that point or something. Um, but since, uh, yeah, Teague obviously being announced as the coach last week, they've the Carlton supporters have been ridiculously happy about it, and then they... Well, how many were there? There was about 60,000 there yeah, for a 50, game Yeah, 50,000, yeah. What was it, 15th versus 14th or something? Even worse. <laughs> it's quite hours. impressive. It's um, They are probably as happy as Melbourne fans were last year, which is quite amusing. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that's a kind of the sad, level. Really. I, I suppose for me it does bring back some memories. Hearing like Carlton supporters talk about it, it does remind me of... When you had of, hope. Well, no, it was uh, maybe not Ruzi's first year, but maybe his second year into his third year, sort of building towards good. And when we, we made that step between being so miserable about our club to being like, I actually look forward to going to games on the weekend. And I go to every game thinking we're a chance to win. That's the feeling which Carlin supporters have at the moment, which is a very where, nice just, step. Where are you now? Waiting for next year is where yeah. I am, Badger. <laughs> this is a feeling I've never had before. It's really strange. It's just killing time till next year. But uh, look... Rightfully so, they they are look they're over the top positive, but they do have the right to be a bit excited. I'd be about happy about it. In fact, yeah. as a club in a reasonably similar position with the caretaker stuff, I get it. It's fun. Yeah, they they've had a good young list for a while, and now they're and playing with. They've a bit, dramatically they've, improved their performance. Yeah, there, there's a culture there, and they're playing with a bit of heart now. Does it hurt Ratten's case to? Uh, keep the job though. Oh, you wouldn't think so. You'd think if they're feeling positive about. Ratten to this point have losing by 10 points in quite a good game to Carlton with a two rounds left that shouldn't affect their thinking maybe but it's certainly not going to help and it's going to make his record look worse I, I think it actually has a little bit of an impact because I think St Kilda would look at themselves and go that's a team we should beat whether or not they're right I think that's how they'll look at themselves and uh, I'm not as sure Ratten will get the job as I think a lot of people seem to yeah, I don't they, know. they seem to be just assuming that all three caretaker coaches will get the job. Now four with David Hale, I guess. Our thoughts towards the concept of a caretaker coach has shifted so much with what's happened with, with the other teams. Yeah. Because like, ordinarily you think they, they'll, they'll go through the process, but the, the other two were so extremely positive, the impact that was yeah. made on the team. And it got to the point he was just, you couldn't ignore it, which for this, perhaps it means that Ratten's not at that level, which means he does have to go through the process. But then he's probably but, got more in the bank than either of them yeah, had anyway. Yeah, I, I think he'd be one of the best candidates anyway. Plus, he's done a pretty good job so far, yeah. being caretaker. So I'd, it is I'd a different think circumstance, is, circumstance, but it doesn't mean he's not going to get it, I guess. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. What's yep, two votes? Let's move on to the two-voter banjo. It's getting a little bit more relevant now, but there was a bit of excitement around this game as well. Hawthorne defeated Gold Coast by 70 points. Obviously, Ruffy All was, about Ruffhead. Yeah, that was the only thing anyone cared about. He dobbed six. Surely it he's going to awesome. play next week. Surely. I don't know. Like, he kicked six goals. He didn't play him for 15 weeks or something. Yeah, but he, you can't drop a bloke who just kicks six. I mean, it was like a farewell game. Yeah, well, they were playing the Gold Coast. Yeah, Go. but... Who, they, who do they have? They've got finals yeah, on the line. They've got someone... I think they've got West Coast or something when they technically can make it. But if they've got finals on the line, then play the players in form you, and just kick six goals. Do you want Ruffy's last game to be in a 100-point loss to West Coast? 
I think he just deserved another game. Although, look, he might have partied a little bit too much. That might be a little bit of a problem with him. I just say, his last goal was genuinely good. The one where he was out in front of him, swooped on it, just dubbed it through on the left. You're really saying his other five that. weren't good, Banjo? Uh, to be honest, is the only one I remember. <laughs> no, I Most th- of them were just sh- shots, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there was a little bit of let's keep... We're winning by so much, let's just keep oh, it yeah. to Ruffy. But look, Did you see the, the goal uh, Gunston kicked where he cut yeah. across Ruffett and looked so annoyed with himself? <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, there was a few weeks ago we were talking about how Gold Coast were upset that the Adelaide coaches' box were laughing at them. That's bad. But this is pretty disrespectful from Gunston as well and from Hawthorne. Like, mm. It was clearly a thing of, look, we're going to beat them by so much, let's just have a bit of a laugh. I'd be a little bit pissed off it. If Gold Coast supporters existed, they'd be a little bit frustrated about There's that. There's a few of they? them. There's a few of them. There's as many Gold Coast supporters as GWS supporters. Yeah, no, I reckon you got to pick him. I think you have to pick him next week. Is Look, I'm not against it. I just don't think they will. <sighs> Grumpy man, old Clark. Time to move on. Yes, it is time to move on, Banjo. Let's so, get to the good stuff. Yeah, we've been bubbling a little bit around one and two votes for quite a long time. I think we've been in the votes for a good six weeks in a row or so. Uh, I think that could be conservative. It feels like you've been there uh, every, forever. <laughs> every week this year. But we've gone the big one this time, Banjo. We've gone with the three votes. So... Sydney defeated Melbourne by 53 points. So to those teams, we do say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? God, if last week was a week full of embarrassments, this one would have hurt for you. Yeah, let's move on from uh, this one pretty quick, Banjo. It's uh, getting pretty bloody depressing at the moment. I I don't know how it keeps flattening me so much. I always, like, sit down and watch a Melbourne game and I'm... Just thinking, look, we're no good. I don't care anymore. The season's over. Just wait for next year, whatever. I'll watch it because I feel obliged to. But, God, it still depresses me every time. Just how... Like, we have lost any care now. We, mm. we, we've checked out for holidays. The last few weeks have been... We just don't give a shit at all anymore. And this was obviously our worst. This was even worse than against uh, Collingwood. This was a terrible performance. Just no effort, no care whatsoever. I mean, it, it doesn't help that... I mean, we last week we were so desperate in the forward <laughs> around our forward line that we had Harrison Petty and Oscar McDonald as our two key forwards, and they both got injured. And then they were both out <laughs> injured, so our forward line was Jake Melsham. Like that was our entire forward line. Yeah, and he played like it, kicking about half his scoring shots. Yes, what was it? He, eight of seventeen. Yeah, he kicked three goals, five. He missed a few. He absolutely should have kicked. So you can't say you're too positive about how he played. Um, look, I suppose there is a thing of. We'd almost like given up on our ability to score. So it's mm. pretty hard to put in a big effort when you're thinking we can't even kick a goal, no matter how yeah. hard we try. But it was, it was pretty bloody pathetic. And to lose that badly to Sydney, it's... Uh, Who aren't good. They're yeah. okay, but they're not good. No, they're, they're not good at all. It was, it was pretty heartbreaking, Banjo. So let, let's just get away from that game as quickly as possible. Got any positive thoughts for Sydney at all? No. They impress you? No. I do want to say Callum Mills was robbed and shouldn't have been paid the free kick in the goal square. I'll die on that hill. He was within the nine metres. He was under pressure. I don't give a shit. It should have been a... Luckily, it was in an irrelevant game, so no one cares about that banter. So, one-fifth of your goals came from that free kick. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, all right. All right. I said let's move on. Let's do it now. Oh, let's get to everybody's favorite segment, Kane Corn's Call of the Week, where we look at a big call made in the media and uh, take it to bits and then make one of our own just to keep ourselves a little, humble. A little bit more of a low-key week from the uh, media this week after last week where yes. we had seven or eight oh, nominees. Last we- week was the greatest week in Kane Corn's history. So yeah. big we had to innovate, yeah, which, you know, the, the, if we're innovating, something's gone wrong. There were, there were some this week, but we did have to have a little bit of a look. So yeah. they, they've been a bit boring this week. Disappointed, but <laughs> yeah, this week David King takes the cake um, for his second or third this year. Yeah, I think he's had a few. He just nibbles around this. He's he's always he's he does look to push the envelope. He's a bit of a cane, actually. He yeah. does like to say something a bit controversial. Yeah. He, he he aims for the big call. He yeah. wants the headline. He yeah. s- does say it more seriously than Kane, though. Like he he wants to be right more than Kane. And he, does. yeah, he and he, ba- he tries to back it up with evidence. Yeah, and he doesn't have as trolly a nature when he does it. No, like he's no. so, Kane half the time is outright trolling. Yeah, whereas uh, I don't think King is ever trolling. He's no, just trying to no be the clever guy. But uh, yeah, he had the great call that uh, Todd Goldstein's worth two first rounders to Geelong. That would be great, except he's a thirty-one-year-old <laughs> ruckman who happens to be a free agent. North can't trade him, and if they could. He's 31. He wouldn't be worth two first-rounders. Like, I'm happy to take that deal as a North fan. I love Goldie, but if we got two first-rounders to him, I'd wish him all the best. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, there's a couple of layers. Firstly, yes, free agent. <laughs> cannot be traded anyway. So it's like, And it's not like he's a refri- restricted free agent where they could match and then force a trade. No, he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, for someone who, yes, who's famous for doing his research, uh, David King. Now, that wasn't great. And then no. even on top of that, even if they could, two first-round draft picks for Todd Goldstein, a 31-year-old Ruckman. You'd have paid what? it happily in 2015. <laughs> you wouldn't go anywhere near it now. No, what would he be? I'd say he'd be worth about pick 20. That might be generous. Yeah, if I, got I think he'd be pick pretty 25, happy. I'd take that quite happily. Yeah. Even this is you saying that. Yeah, like if, if we had to trade him, I'd accept pick 25. Like I don't want to trade him and I'd rather keep him because I just love the man. But if we got back to pick 25, I wouldn't think we lost the trade. Which is probably a better way of framing it. Yeah, so he's yeah, he's worth pretty much twenty five, you think. Yeah. Around that a higher plus yep. or minus. Two five, first yeah. rounders, good work, Kingy. <laughs> good Just work. Absurd. Uh yeah, take us away with your my my one banjo. I've sort of been uh, indicating towards something along these lines for for a while. It's a player who's been frustrating me a little bit, but uh watching Friday night has just gone to another level. I think I've found my new Eddie Betts banjo. Ooh. He's a player I've always In what said. Sense? Always said Eddie Betts is overrated the whole way through, which it just drives me to the shits when he does one thing in a game and the commentators just froth all over him and forget the fact that he's done nothing else useful for the rest of the game. Yeah, this is on. what is happening at the moment with Nick Blakey. Ooh. He, he is driving me nuts. He, he has been no better than mediocre it's this year. A bit early, though. He has been okay this year. Would you say, I would say he's, he's, a, he's a tick. So let's get a few things out of the way. I hate him. He should have played for North. I know, he turned his back, me, so I'm to automatically going to agree with you. Yes. So you could say much worse things that he's mediocre and I would agree with you, even if I didn't think it. But it is his first year. And I agree he's definitely been overhyped. But do you think you should wait a little longer to see if the projections are right? No, no, I'm not saying that he's not going to be a good player ever. I don't know. But on the body of evidence I've seen this year, I'm no more confident on him being a good player as I am like Tom McCartan for Sydney being a good player. His yeah. first year has been like 
kind of good. Like he shows that he, he might belong at the level, but he's, I've not seen any indication of superstar ability at all. You look at his stats, he's averaged 10 disposals this year. He's kicked less than a goal a game. Well, I think he's kicked 18 goals. So he'll yep. probably finish on about 20 yeah, if he 18, does well. 19 goals for the year, which is okay for a first year player. You'd be happy with that. But where is this indication of him being a superstar? I heard Damien Barrett on Access All Areas this week saying he's a superstar already. Yeah, that was classical. When he, he laid like a tackle in the game on Friday and I, there was, oh, you can just see that he's going to be captain of this club for years to come. It's his first year and he's been fine. Like, where is all this stuff coming from? People are just obsessed with seeing something in Blakey if that they're, they're looking for. through it. the top 10, because he was the 10th pick, wasn't he? He probably is the worst performed outside of the ones that haven't played. Like, I think yeah. Ben King significantly take him ahead yeah of him. <laughs> I, I see a lot more superstar talent in Ben King than I've seen in Nick Blakey this year look yes. if you ask me if we got because let's be honest we got Taron Thomas in a fairly bullshit way if I had to pick between the two of them I'd still probably take Thomas yeah like there's heaps of it Bailey Smith for the dogs looks great take him obviously Sam Walsh like Rosie he hasn't looked more impressive than his peers in fact he's probably looked a significant amount less impressive than his peers. I 100% agree with you, Banjo. And, like, he, on top of it, he came across as being an absolute dead set flog on Friday night. He tackled the snowman, Frosty, then just, like, <laughs> dug his elbow in the back of his head and got up looking all aggro. Uh, so about he did a like, rant on, on Watts, did he? Well, it wasn't quite that bad, <laughs> but it was just, like, getting stuck in with no... I mean, what, the, what would the snowman have said to him or done to him? Like, he's too dumb to have done anything. Yeah, he and certainly he wouldn't have come up to it with anything it, good. I don't remember who it was, but he did it to someone else later. It was just like, you're just an aggro piece of crap. He's just doing this for no reason, a dead game that no one cares about. And on top of it, he's an ugly bloke as well. So there's a lot that's not <laughs> going too well. I'm not sure you need to bring that last bit into it. We are a professional organization here, Scott, but I appreciate your passion. He's a funny looking bloke, though. He's, he is. He's got well, a real got a, What's his body. nickname? Oh, it's something ridiculous. I'll get that, I'll get that to you. Asshole or something like that? No, I hate him. Just I, Melbourne I hate supporters. Blake. He sucks. <laughs> he, oh, God. Okay, mine. Been bubbling on this. I haven't wanted to say it. Fear of being, uh, fear of being called biased. You've got a cheeky grin on your face. I don't know where this is going. I'm, I'm ready to say it. Ben Brown's the best key forward in the competition. Uh, okay. I should Buddy's have known cooked. Josh Kennedy's just about cooked, and he's better than everybody else. Is he better than Jeremy Cameron? Yes. He's missed games this year, Jeremy Cameron. Only like two. It's not that many. Yeah, I, I, will, I, will, I look. You're gonna punch me, but I, I think Jeremy Cameron has been a better player this year than Ben Brown has been. Look, I'm not saying it's consensus this decision, <laughs> but he's the only key forward in the last three years to kick sixty goals every single year. You know the most amount of times any other key forward has kicked sixty goals in a year, once. No one comes near him for consistency. He kicks goals every single year. He kicks more goals than anybody every year. What else do we need to see from him to come to the conclusion that he's the best? I suppose the issue with him is he, like, he just kicks goals. Like he just, he just leads up, takes a mark, kicks the goal. But if you look at everybody else, at most they have one more or two more disposals than him. It's oh. not like the other key forwards. Cameron, yes, moves Cameron, up a bit. Yeah, yeah. But the others aren't having massive disposals. Like Jack Darling, who I've heard a lot in this conversation this year, 
Yeah, he's, a, he's not in the conversation. Another player who's yeah, similar is Josh Kennedy. He, he's the same. He just leads up, takes a mark, yeah, and kicks and goals. We've probably been he's done unfair. it for a longer period of time yeah, across his I, career. But he's also old and yes, he's injured now. Yeah, yeah, and not as yeah. I think he's dropped off. But I think, but that's the reason why people would say if he's fit, Buddy's better. Jeremy Cameron's better. That they, 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 they offer more. I get the argument for that. Jeremy Cameron. I do think Buddy's probably cooked, which sucks. Yeah. And I want to see it from him again before I... I go early on old players, not too late. I'm not going to give him the credit in the bank when I think there's every chance he'll be ordinary. You seem to have ruled out Harrison Petty as well. Like, surely he's... The other guy that I should say is probably Jack Rewalt. Yeah. He's got a claim. Yes, he does. In a different way, but yes, he does. I'd still take Ben Brown. Yeah, it depends depends what you want, I guess. But yeah. like, he's definitely in the equation. I'm not going to deny that. He's de- definitely better than Tom Lynch as well, which is something I really need to stress. Yeah, I'd put him ahead of Tom Lynch myself. Yeah. Not, not everyone would agree with you, but I would, yeah, I would agree Yeah, but plenty that. of people so, are wrong. It's anyway. Not, it's not your worst call. Let's move on. Let's get to the good games. Brisbane defeated Geelong by a point. As you said, a little boring early, but what a finish. Yeah, it's not just this game. There's kind of like a... A soccer mentality coming into a lot of footy games, I've noticed this year. There's a lot of, let's just hold it off at an arm's length. Let's just keep it kind of close. I think a lot of that is Geelong, the way they play. I've seen it a lot in games this year where it's just been like, just as kind of a stalemate all game until halfway through the third quarter. And then a team would just back themselves to kind of have that, to break the game open and to go quickly and to kick goals then. Like, Brisbane did not seem upset at all to be, what, two to three goals down for the majority of the game. And then when it got to five minutes left and it was like, oh, gee, to win this, we actually need to score quickly. The game just became completely different. They started taking some risks and opened up and they looked like a much better team playing that way. And I suppose you have to say what they did was a success because they won the game. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think they were probably... Geelong probably played the way they wanted for three and a half quarters and they had control of the game and then what happened is Brisbane had to roll the dice. I don't think Brisbane particularly wanted to play the way they had to play early. Uh, I, so I, I disagree with that. I, it seemed to me like they were equally as happy to be playing that game. They did not seem to be trying to take any risks at all. They set up defensively outstandingly well. Marcus Adams was brilliant behind the ball. We know how good... Uh, Harris Andrews is um, mm-hmm. and they the, their defensive systems were brilliant like Geelong couldn't get through them but then it was in terms of their ball movement they were just kicking it down the line I, I wonder if it's a little bit of a hangover from um, like the last time they had a real big game on the Gabba against a team who yeah, to try true. to show that they were the big dogs was against Collingwood and earlier in the year and they did try to go quick then they tried mm. to go quick and turned it over regularly Collingwood's pressure was so good for them and they coughed it up so yeah, I that's wonder. Not a bad hypothesis. Maybe they wanted to settle into the game before they really tried to yeah, win it. Yeah, they decided. Look, we need to yeah keep the game kind of close. And yeah, build ourselves into it and show that we kind of belong there, and then back ourselves to get over the line at the end. It, it's it's an interesting debate whether you say, well, that worked, do that in finals, or whether it's oh, but it was only when the game opened up that they. I looked think like the maybe team. now they've done it. There'll be less pressure on like they. I think they really needed to show they could match it with the big boys that game. And now that they've done that, I think they can play a bit more freer. They, they know they can win. And I think they'll probably come to the MCG against Richmond with a little more aggression in their ball movement. I don't think they'll feel the need to just absolutely ensure that they're within a goal or two, which yeah. is, I think maybe the way they approached it early. 
Which, I mean, obviously that there has to be a balance found. Yeah, yeah. I think early in the year they were too aggressive, and now they're getting a lot more defensive. They've got to find that right balance. Yeah, well, they're not conceding anywhere near as many goals off their own turnovers, which is just... That, that improves your ceiling so much. If, you're, if you can contain the damage done when you do turn the ball over... You're a much better team. But there, this was this game was the most kick by both teams the most kicking down the line, long down the line I've seen in a game this year. Yeah. That that was pretty much what the Brisbane game was, and that's why there was about 15 out on the fulls because they were just <laughs> kicking it down the line. Occasionally, they just shanked it slightly and it went out on the full. Let's talk implications then. Do you change your rating on either of them? Brisbane showed they could, and Geelong just didn't get over the line, but didn't really disgrace themselves either, giving us a one-point loss. Yeah, um, from a Geelong point of view, I don't, I don't draw a heap from it. They kind of show that they are a good team who are they will compete with the top teams yeah. without really quite being like on the tops, which is yeah, kind they of didn't how show they were better. That's kind of how I've been feeling about Geelong pretty much all year. From a Brisbane perspective. I, I thought they're good enough to beat Geelong. I tipped them to beat Geelong. Yeah. So I, I, in terms of the way they're playing, I didn't think it showed anything particular. But it was the fact that they actually got the points, which yeah. means every chance they're going to be top two now. That's the big difference, which means... Grand final. Gives them a... Yeah, Very much in reach. Finishing top two gives you the box seat to make a grand final. Mm. And they can still blow it, but they are, it's kind of in their hands now. That's the position which they've got themselves into, which is awesome. Really, really exciting for footy. So from that perspective, I, I draw more from the results than I do from watching the yeah. game. I guess. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, let's move on. Collingwood defeated Adelaide by 66 points in one of the two worst pathetic performances by an Adelaide team this week. This, this, this was truly pathetic from Adelaide. This, this is a game they should win. They should absolutely win this game. They're at home. Collingwood are uh, decimated. Finals. Yeah, Collingwood... They've beaten Gold Coast and Melbourne the last two weeks without looking convincing at all. Mm. They, they are not playing particularly well. And... Adelaide, really, I thought Adelaide should win this game comfortably, really. And they got flogged off the park. They were nowhere near the contest. They had absolutely no aggression with the ball, and we've talked about that so often this year, but they just didn't have an ability to break through Collingwood's zone. And you have to take risks, and they just didn't. They let Collingwood get set, and when Collingwood got set, they tried to overpossess the ball and it led to turnovers and it led to goals. And they didn't work hard enough. Pretty much every facet of the game, they were not good enough in. I, I, I am certain there's a problem with that club. I, I think culturally there has to be a problem. And I, early in the, so they had their issues last year, but early in the year when you start playing so defensive, it eventually starts feeding into the rest of your game because the players start getting like. It's not a lot of yeah. fun to play if you're thinking we're going to score five goals for the game and maybe win by a point. And we've just got to be hard of the contest all day without yeah. really getting much result and hoping you get over the line. When you do that across the course of the season and you're sitting like borderline eight, it becomes like... What's the point? Yeah, it becomes real hard to play. And I, I, I'm certain there is an issue with the coach and that there just, they just doesn't seem to be the players really buying into what's happening. No, that club has... It looks fractured, doesn't it? Yes. It just it does. doesn't look like they're all pulling in the same direction. And to be honest, I kind of get it. I don't think the direction they want to be taken in by Pike is the right direction. So I'm, I'm not really blaming them. Uh, for Collingwood, do you feel they've given themselves a chance at the top four? Do you think they'll make it? Uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not backing them to make it, no. I expect they'll probably finish fifth, and then it'll be probably an interesting final against Essendon at the G. There'll be a fair crowd there, and I 
like, I would tip Collingwood to win it. I would think that that could yeah. go either way, though. I'm not convinced at all about Collingwood with how they're playing at the moment, with all their injuries, etc. It's just become too hard for them this year. Yeah, at least they're showing something, but I need to see it against a properly good team before I'll believe it, which feels weird to say about a team that made the grand final the year before. They should have credits in the bank, but they're just so many injuries that I can't give it to them. But anyway, let's get to the real story of the week. North defeated Port by 86 points in pretty much the perfect game of football. Once again, Banjo, I didn't watch it, so you, you might have to tell so, me So, so disappointing. <laughs> well, we had the second most disposals ever with 514. We had the most ever uh, players have over 30 touches with seven. Could have been eight if Jasper Pittard had one more to touch. Uh, ben Brown kicked 10, first time it's happened all year. And we nearly had the first time since 1918 that no player had kicked eight or more goals in a season, but Ben Brown to the rescue. Ben Brown's now going to win the Coleman. Todd Goldstein is awesome, had the game of his life, and yeah, pretty much everything went perfect. That is a... uh it is, it's a lot of fun as a supporter of those sorts of games. When we they absolutely shat all over them. And w- <laughs> when the stats really start building up and there yeah. becomes these things that you're following like individually within the game, there's oh, how many goals will Ben Brown kick, how many will Larky kick, uh, how good a game is Goldstein going to have on the stat sheet. Oh, this player's got over 30 touches We had 20 more now, clearances that. than them too. <laughs> like, uh, it was what? absolutely absurd. Why how... is Lysett not playing for Port Adelaide? Well, because it worked That's when they dropped odd. him. Like, after their last two performances, you couldn't bring Lysette back in. They never should have got dropped in the first place. I, I know, and I well. agree. Todd Goldstein would have had absolutely nowhere near the influence he had if Lysette yeah, was in the team. He probably would have had half the touches. So that's a fuck up at the selection table. You can't... Yeah, but that wasn't the totality of what went wrong for them. They were awful. And I don't think it was the defense's fault. They're was just no pressure up the ground. We waltzed out of defense. We looked like Essendon half the time, the way we were cutting them up off the halfback flank. And we don't have the talent to do that to teams unless you're being, unless you're not applying any pressure in the fourth half. Like The amount of run we got out of Jasper Pittard and Jamie McMillan was the most run I've seen out of a North Melbourne back line ever. It was absurd how easy it was for us to move the ball. The corridor was just wide open. They had no defense at all through the most dangerous part of the ground. And as soon as we got it through their their forward line, their back line just got opened up. And yeah, Brown and Larky played very well. But if you look at their goals, they weren't yeah. from contested marks. Yeah, so there was a lot of space for them yeah. to be working and just didn't stem the bleeding at all. We've got to the point with both Adelaide teams where it's, their performances, they're not explainable from a footballing perspective. That's no. what's so shocking about these. Is both of them are fighting for a spot and in the eight. Port Adelaide had just come off two really good performances yeah. and seemed to be building some momentum. And the talk out of the club has been quite positive. Hinkley was talking about building momentum in the back half of the year and how they're feeling, starting to get some real confidence in their game and stuff. They come out with just a... a a performance where there was there was no effort, there was no care or want to. Honestly, that would be one of the worst performances, if not the worst performance from a club. It's context and everything taken into account. To not show up in the way they did is just staggering. There was no fight whatsoever. Like the tackling just was non-existent. There was no pressure at all, and their backline. I now like they did look inept at times just because there was so many lead up marks because there was no pressure coming 
uh, from the midfield. It and, was unbelievable. And, and like with Adelaide, in a game which like they probably should have won, like they probably yeah, they were favourites going, into going that, in. They, they should win the game. So there's no like we don't have any motivation because we just expect we'll lose anyway or anything like that. There's yeah. everything the on the line. Talk in that game. coming out of last week after they'd beaten I forget who was that Porter win their next two games and make the eight. Yeah, like it was just a fate accompli. And I thought that was a little too presumptuous given. Both Frio and North have not terrible teams. Frio, depending at where they are, I guess. But Porter, better than that. <laughs> People have tried to use the uh, their young excuse for them, which you can't use at all for Adelaide. So I suppose that's why people have brought that up as that a comparison young. between have the two teams. They like four or five young players. They're yeah. a pretty normal list composition. It's yeah. just they're all... Yeah. Draft picks from this year that are high, it's so they a, seem young. That's not an excuse. They have enough in their midfield of experienced players. Yeah, they had Wines, Gray, Boak, Rockliffe. They had more experience in their midfield yeah. than we did. Yeah, I think it's because they're they're younger than Adelaide. So when people have been comparing the embarrassment of the two clubs, they've been like, "Well, yeah, Port Adelaide true. are younger." I suppose that, that's where it comes from. But for an effort like that in that context of the season, there is no excuse for that. Just uh, look, I'm so frustrated as a Melbourne supporter, but like, I think for both. Adelaide fan bases would just be tearing their hair out. It would be, it's frustration. It's not the devastation. It's just like, how can we not string some performances together? It's, yeah, the inconsistency would just kill you as a supporter. Yeah. And it, as I say, unexplainable inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah. I was happy because I was on the right end of it. But if you if I try and put yourself in uh, Port's shoes, I would have gone absolutely mental. It dragged me down. That's and for every sure. time they cut to a Port supporter in the stands, it was just a like it was hard to watch a photo of a Port fan yeah. that day. They looked so so beaten. Yeah, God, there's been some embarrassing performances the last few weeks. It's ama- we said yeah. before, it is amazing. Melbourne's last two weeks, I've been so ashamed, and we Having easily haven't been the worst performance <laughs> either of the weeks. Uh, one Weird. other stat: North had the sixth highest uh, increase in points uh, from week to week, and uh, I'm surprised it's only sixth. Yeah, like, that seems ridiculous. Both ones went from 55 to, to 219. Yeah, Which is it's absurd. It's because yeah, scores over two hundred just don't happen in football yeah. anymore. So, in terms for modern football, the gap that, that, that's incredible. The gap between your two weeks. Well, we kicked twenty-two times as many goals. I think. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, one goal of twenty-two. Yeah. We're not going to see that. Ben I, Brown kicked ten times as many goals as the entire club the week before. <laughs> yep, yep, and about five minutes into the game, you'd already beaten your score from yeah. last week. This yeah. game was a lot of fun. But anyway, Some strange happenings in football at the moment. Let's just true. say that much. It's an odd end to the year. But let's move on. Let's get to our top five this week. We're going the next coaches to be sacked yeah. in order from furthest away to closest, I guess. Number one is the next coach to be sacked. Yeah, yeah. We're not doing it so much in terms of who's under the most heat at the moment or who's most likely no. to be sacked this year. It's If we're, we're looking, looking forward, yeah, in chronological order, who we think would be uh, yeah. the, the, sort of the next sacked. So... My starting you with can my take five it away. Banjo, I've got Goody at uh, number five, Simon Goodwin. Uh, I rec- you put him in your own I list. I put him at five. I put him at five. Ooh. There's a couple of ways to look at it, Banjo. I mean, we're still at a point now we don't know what the heat on Goodwin is. Four weeks into next year, we will know. I have is confidence. Next year, how many more has he got contracted? Another two after this year. He yep. signed a three-year extension at the start of the year. But if, if we lose our first four games next year... Is he gone? He, is, he won't be gone at that point, but he will be under that sort of pressure where I'm not sure if he'll make it through the years. Yeah, so that, that, that level of pressure. Could be gone pressure. by round 10. If he, has a, if he wins 
three or four of the first four games, he's, he's fine. fine yeah. He's absolutely free. So I'm backing him in for us to be sweet and he's not under any pressure. But I do recognise that there's something I like bubbling underneath. I like your naive optimism. I've got him a lot higher. I'm not surprised about that, Banjo. Uh, yeah, number five. Uh, just don't trust this man. I think he can get himself sacked at any point. He's very good at... Uh, holding his football club back by tinkering, and I think he could do that to get himself tagged. <laughs> I wonder who this is going to be. Luke Beveridge. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, I, I, look, I think we should save up a lot of our me ripping into you about your Western Bulldogs predictions <laughs> when we get to the Bulldogs game, but you are looking so far off it at the moment. Bevo's done a great job yeah, look, with I a am, very, I very young quite, list. quite obviously just trolling here, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, uh, I can dream. You have been so wrong. <laughs> Who's your on four? The Bulldogs. I just love it. Number four, Banjo. You, I mentioned to you before that I had him in my list. So I thought you would be a little bit surprised. I've got Leon Cameron. This at is my number pet four. project. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, I've been quite defensive of him as a coach, but my putting of him in there more comes from a thing of my predictions about the future of the club of GWS Mm. in which I think if things drop off which I think we might have seen the first signs of I think things will get pretty panicky they haven't kicked a goal in the second half for two weeks in a row that's pretty bad Mm. and yes they have a lot of injuries but they just don't seem to play with any cohesion I have shock horror I have Cameron Hire. I just don't understand what he's bringing to the table at this point. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it as much from that perspective. I don't think he's adding to that football club. And I don't think that football club has ever had a coach that adds to it outside of Sheedy holding it together early and being a buffer, which I don't think really counts. I think they should get a new coach. I think they should try and get a good coach and actually see where this talent can go. Because I still believe in the talent. I still think their list is good. I just don't think it's well managed. I should ask, do you think if they had a... I mean, I'm not going to say Alistair Clarkson or Damien Hardwick or someone like that. I think they're great. Well, the who's answer a is good, obviously, who's, yes. Who, who's <laughs> a good coach? Like, Are there any left? Who would you <laughs> rate? As, I don't know. It's a bit different. But let's just say like, a, like a, a coach who's better than average, who's like a 6 out of 10. Do you reckon if they had that Chris coach, Scott? they would have won multiple flags with... This list is that is that where you're coming from? Yeah, on it? pretty much. That you think Leon Cameron's been that bad that he's held them back? Yeah, even like Ken Hinckley, I think could have won a flag with that list. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I I, I view it John as such Longmire a simple look. Would have won a flag with that list. I, I view it as a very simple way of looking at it, being like he has a good list. They haven't done as well, therefore the coach is bad. Where I, I think a lot of the reason they have a good list is he's developed them to that point. Maybe, but I don't think the reason I think the coach is bad is to do. So much with the list. The way they play these days, there is no dynamism to it, and they should be. It's very much the same reason I just like Pike at the moment. They look great at the start of the year before they got injured. There's someone else who needs to get sacked at that club, which is yes, anyone yes. involved in their fitness and conditioning. They should join a union so they have some fair representation when they get sacked. Uh, so he was my four. So what's your four? Uh, Ken, speaking of uh, him, I have him pretty low because I have other coaches higher, but I think he's going to go pretty soon. I four. You got Hinkley. Jesus. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll talk about more when I get to him in my yeah, list, I, I guess. I think it's pretty obvious that he's in a lot of trouble. He, yes. Do you hear about his coaching trigger? Yes, I did. That's the end of next year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I so I think if he didn't make finals in his three years of his contract extension, there was a trigger to sack him. I think. 
So I think it's like if he's if the, uh, yeah if they don't Maybe make the finals next year two, they can yeah. just flick him. I think it's something along those lines. Anyway, three banjo. I think my top three is pretty pretty standard. Got John Warsfold at number three. I th- didn't make the cut for me. At all, didn't make the cut. At, uh, He's Br- been your your arch nemesis. You, de- you've got about twenty arch. Yeah, this is the this problem. Is like, this is the problem. Was this Sophie's choice? You putting this list together? Uh, yes. Quite literally, yes. <laughs> Honestly, I probably should have dropped off Hinkley, but he's the coaching trigger thing coming out kind of made me have to put him in. Yeah, no, I had to include Bevo for, you know, personal gratification. So, John Walsall missed the cut because of it. Uh, do you think if they don't win a final this year, there's a possibility of a sacking before oh, next year? Like, there could be, but I think that'd be overzealous. I don't yeah. if, if they make finals with the injuries they've had, and uh, we've been discounting them for a long time, but they did reach a point when they were playing pathetic football where it was likely the cause. But if they make finals, which they will, yeah, I think you've just got to roll it over. Yeah. See what he can do if Danaher comes back with Devin Smith, a healthy Heppel. Zaharakis is now out as well. Like You can't expect them to beat whoever they're playing. Yeah, I think having locked in finals now, the, the heat has just cooled yeah. a little bit. And I think it's enough for him to get through this year. And like, but it'll be honest, straight back on If they play year. GWS, it's two twos teams playing. They might win that. For all we know. <laughs> the problem with Essendon is there's been so much hype and positivity around them with everything off-field for so long. Like, everything they do off-field... Every like off-season, they are drafting. the supposed winners. Yeah. Um, so, all of that just... Like, from what, at least what we're perceiving, they're just ticking every single box until they start playing. Yeah, and that's the, when the you start The problem is coach. they've got the same hole they've had for quite a while. And I don't think yeah. that is ever actually, actually addressed when we look at these... When we are now sort of analyze what they've done in the off season. There is no one who ever says, yeah, but they didn't really address their need and they haven't done it for like four years and it's the reason they're not consistent. It's the reason they're generally not good enough. So they don't have a good enough inside midfield. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a lot of flaky midfielders. Is, yeah, is there they've issue? got... They do those players. You can just bank on, you know, what they'll, they'll get week in, They've week got a lot of people that should are best suited in the first receiver role and yeah. not many that are suited to the... Patrick Cripps. Yeah, and there's this is weird thing of Dylan Shields not that sort of player, but when he's at Essendon, I think he will be, and that's what everyone thought. So now he's just playing how Dylan Shield plays, which is very good, but he's not that player that they thought he would be. Yeah, I like. I find it hilarious that people are talking about Dylan Shield as a disappointment. Yeah. He's been exactly how he was yeah. always going to be. Has, he's, yeah, he's been what he was at GWS, which is a very good player. Anyway, but, this yeah. is probably too much Essendon talk that we could have waited for the Essendon part of the podcast. True. Who's your three? Or was, was that your three? three. Uh, mine's Don Pike. <laughs> Pike, so your two Adelaide coaches are at four and three. Yep. So I will reveal that they're my one and two. I've got Pike number one. I've got Pike number one. Yeah, so you've got him in the same order I do. I, I believe it is very, very possible that Pike is not coaching Adelaide next year. I think he's the most likely to not be coaching his team to start next yeah, year. Yeah, if there's... they lose on the weekend, I could see him gone pretty quickly. Everything out of that club is they're just, they're just real nervous. They're getting very close to pulling that trigger, and I just don't think anyone has faith in him at the moment. They need a reset, and Mark Rusciuto, during commentary on the weekend, said they need to change their game plan yeah, live on air. yeah. He is Which like the greater, football, <laughs> great sign. football board member at that football club. Yeah. So I, I think that doesn't show much yeah, belief. I have him number one because I think he's the most likely to not make it till next year. Where once we get to next year, the most likely to be sacked would be Hinkley then. So yeah. He's so my, two there. my rationale was 
to be honest, I wanted to put the other two in front. <laughs> there wasn't much logic to it. But number two for me, Leon Cameron, Neon Leon. He, yeah, he's just squandering too much talent. And Do I you think to hate him more than Bevo now. No, no I, just, I, I hate beverage. I just don't. <laughs> I hate beverage. I just don't rate Cameron. There's a difference. Yeah. There um, you go. And then Simon Goodwin because you have had the most disappointing year. In recent memory, out of any football club? Yeah, probably, yeah. And he just doesn't seem to be copying any shit for it. So I thought I'd raise attention to the fact that you have had the most disappointing year of any football club in my entire lifetime. Yeah, they're they're waiting for the shit. They're waiting to hurl the shit next year, just seeing how we go. But he's got one last chance, which is early next year. (laughs) But anyway, that ends the top five. And now we are on to Essendon, who defeated Freo by 32 points in a massive win for that football club. Yeah, very, very important win to, as I say, cool the flames a little bit. I wouldn't say it's all of a sudden they're a really good team who are going to be winning a final. I no. still wouldn't back them to win a final, which means it would be a failure of a season. Uh, Fremantle have not been good in the second half of the year, and it was a good, comfortable win that they needed to have and would have been a big relief as much as anything, I think, for that football club. More than a feeling of elation or excitement, it would have been relief. Yeah, they locked up finals, which was probably the bare minimum for a pass mark, depending on how you rated them going into the year. I don't expect them to win the final, as you said, as I've said earlier in this pod, but they did show a little bit of character, which was the exact opposite of what they'd shown the last two weeks. So from that perspective, you've got to give them a pretty big tick for just getting themselves and picking themselves off the floor. Yeah, from a player's perspective, it was just something they just absolutely had yeah. to do. And they did, and good on them for that. Uh, we probably thought immediately after the game that Essendon were the big story, but as the week has unfolded... Goodbye, Ross. Yeah, Fremantle have uh, sort of taken over with uh, yeah the end, of, the end of old Ross. Absolutely, unbelievably swift, the way they cut him. Yeah. He, maybe it's because we're in Victoria and we just don't hear the noise too much. But uh, It has been it, building It a had lot. percolated for like a little bit, but it hadn't reached fever pitch. It barely no. even made it to... Like generally when someone's going to get sacked, even if they're an interstate coach, it will be a topic of conversation on a Melbourne radio show. Yes. It, it was uh, done before that. It has been a topic of conversation, but it's been yeah, it's been it's, a, but on it's the been side. A next What's year? happening with Ross? It's been a next year. Yeah. He might get done. It, it hasn't been the headliner. Yeah, which is that. And to be fair, there'd been three coaches sacked already, so like they'd had other things to worry about prior to this week. But Peter Bell. Yeah, that's what this is. Mm, that's what this story ruthless. is. He has become the dictator of that football club. Like he's come in, and within what nine months or something since he's been a part of that yeah. club, he is the man now. It looks like he'll probably the be the power CEO. moves he, he played is, with the Jesse Hogan, Lockie Neal yeah, like, situation. That I, was his big statement as he yeah. came in, was doing all of that, and he's just talked a big game, and he's now I kind of rate that it. club and. Probably part of it's because he's a North Melbourne champion and I've got an affinity for him there. But I liked what they did in the off-season. They're in a good position to get Tim Kelly. I do think the coaching probably got a little stale in the same way that Brad Scott probably did. There's just a bit too much time in a lot of ways. I don't read too much into Ross's coaching. They just didn't get right. And I think, it, yeah, it got stale. But he's doing everything that you'd kind of... Well, One yeah, a fan, it, you? It, it's going to be fascinating is, as it plays out because we can't say whether it's good or bad until we see how he goes. He's come in, he talks a big game, yeah. he's real. 
he's real hard as, as as a bloke, and he seems really intelligent and says all the right things. Mm. But at the moment, it does look like that he is the man who is pulling every string. So he better be smart. He yeah. better be good. It could go extremely well or extremely badly. Yeah, and I don't normally think this is a good measure, but he's been good. At, he's done well with his businesses, apparently. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't has. think he's dumb. I, I, know, I, I listen really, to his commentary occasionally, yeah. and he's. Quite good. His commentary is yeah. very good. He said he was very smart. I really liked his commentary. So when he took over, I thought this is real good for the footy club. But he, I did not expect this sort of rise that he's had. <laughs> no, he's just, probably going to be appointed CEO. Yeah, and he just seems now to just kind of be sweeping out the club to mm. make it his, which, which is pretty crazy. We haven't done. Have we seen this in football before? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Clubs are getting very um, democratic it is, it, and quite quiet a lot of the time as we do things behind yeah, it's closed doors. It's John been, Elliott. Yeah, style. yeah. I guess Kennett's the yeah, last guy, yeah. but then Clarkson's got so much power. There's maybe early Kennett. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose you'd say Koshy, but I still feel like he still talks about it as if we're a club and we're democratic. And, and I think he talks a bigger game than what he plays. Well, yeah. Well, I don't think he's got the time and he's as invested as he makes it seem. I think he's just yeah, a nuffy perhaps. that cracks a tantrum, to perhaps. be honest. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, it does seem like Peter Bell is properly which invested. I'm hoping we get something out of him this week, actually. Koshy, that'd be, that'd be quite a meltdown <laughs> there. But yeah, let's yeah. move on. Richmond defeated West Coast by six points. Game of the year? Yeah, yeah. I, look, Outside I, of when North Melbourne beat Port by 86 points, of course. Uh, <laughs> I have to confess, Banjo, I saw like the first half of this and then I had to go watch a movie. Uh, but I could... So disappointed. I could very so much... So disappointed. I know, trust me, I was frustrated. Like, I could very <laughs> much tell this was going to be a great game of footy. The first quarter, even when it was West Coast running over the top of them, it West was Coast great played so well doing it. The intensity was so high and for them to be as clean and clinical as they were under that sort of pressure that Richmond were putting on them was probably the most impressive sort of quarter that, I've seen this year. Yeah, I think that's the best football I've seen played that first quarter. Yeah. In like any small snapshot, that was it. They, they are... I, I, we were messaging during yeah. that first quarter. I, they are, I think they are supposed so far the best kicking team in the competition. It's just It's not funny at the moment. They have two of the best kicks in the competition off halfback. Their forwards are really really good kicks in like Rioli he's a wizard he is he better than Daniel uh like Daniel's his film his form has built a little bit the last few weeks but his last couple of years have been a little disappointing yeah. after 2017 I, I really like him as you know uh, at the moment I would say Willie's playing better yeah. but I think Daniel's been around for long enough that we can just sort of put him a, a nose in front I suppose but like Willie's, that's a there was, who was it? Yeah, he kicked a... He was out of a centre clearance. Mm. It was a pass to Oscar Allen on a lead. Yeah. And it was like, you do not see that sort of impressive kicking into the 50 often at all in footy anymore. No. To be able to kick it to that sort of space and be able to take it just like lace out. It was something special. All their Indigenous players are... Their disposal is so good. Jetter yeah. and Their recruitment Ryan. of those guys has just been fantastic. And they all add so much... Uh, it's the cleanness that I think really, because they're clean, they are so much quicker than they would otherwise be. And yeah. they get separation out of just one grabbing the ball every single time. Yeah. And that gives them space to utilize their elite skills. And it is just, a, it's beautiful to watch. I think 
one of my favorite things to watch in football is to someone pick up a half volley at full pelt because yeah. that is so hard to do and it completely changes the outlook of a play. If you are coming off the half forward line and just cleanly take it or if you're coming from half back and cleanly take it, the game just opens up for you and it just it's so good to watch and they are probably the best at it. They have the best small forwards in the competition for that kind of thing. Richmond probably have the best pressure small forwards, so it's a, quite an interesting they play quite different styles, yeah. really. Um, but to, so we've just spent a few minutes absolutely frothing over how good West Coast were. <laughs> they lost the game. They did. So does that make Richmond's performance even scarier to the point that I they are easily the best team? Because no, they I, can get jumped like that and still muscle I go their way the other the way, line. actually. Okay. So they lost Hutchings in the first quarter, who is their... Yeah. And defensive midfielder and as soon as that happened Dusty went absolutely right the first quarter Dusty was pretty muted he was not bad or anything but he was muted and uh, as soon as Hutchings went down the game changed I think a lot of how they play though Dusty is such a pivotal factor in that game because he gives Richmond just an element they don't have in the midfield otherwise that they need to be able to beat West Coast midfield and if Hutchings is there and can really control him, I don't think Richmond win that game. Also, it rained and was yeah. at the G, which are two factors that massively favour Richmond. And like Grand they are would unbel- also be at the G. Yeah, but who knows about the rain? True. Um, and also, Brass just committed two of the worst yeah. turnovers that really you'll ever see. Really uncharacteristic. Yeah, he, he just had a had, stinker of a day. Uh, he had probably the worst game of his entire life. The mm. Tom Lynch one, where he handballed it to him five meters away, panicked and then jumped on his like head. He jumped on his neck. Just yes. unbelievable. You'd, yeah. If an under ten did that, you'd think they went nuts. Like <laughs> you'd be, you wouldn't understand how an under ten did it. He's normally a very composed player. Yeah, he's really, really good. Really uncharacteristic. I rate him yeah. so highly, yeah. and he just had a shocker. So all those factors, I think. West Coast would walk away with no less confidence. I don't think Richmond would either. Obviously, they won and had a really good performance. But this doesn't make me think Richmond are better than West Coast. Okay. Like, I still have them pretty even. I suppose that's both the beauty and the problem with uh, games this late in the season between teams that we expect to be playing in finals. Like, the the beauty of it is you always leave with this feeling of... Can't wait for round two. Like, this isn't really But that they also important. probably didn't show everything. Yeah, yeah. So, it's uh, sometimes it, the ending can feel a bit empty because you just mm. think, ah, oh, well, we'll see the real thing in a few weeks' time. Yeah. And in the end, this was just like a little warm I don't understand how the AFL fixtures two games between the last two premiers 415 days apart. Yeah. It's, they should have fair. played more this year. It's... Poor fixturing to leave it this late, but God, it was a good game. And yeah, I cannot wait to round two. Yeah, yeah at this stage, it, it does feel like that's that's the big heavyweight game, and that's what it, it feels like. That's what it's going to come down to during finals. It'll be a game between West Coast, who are such a good kicking, high control sort of game against Richmond with their surge and their aggression at the contest. Two very different styles, two very very good teams. It'll be really cool to see. Who comes out on top in the yeah, end? I cannot wait. Anyway, let's move on to a game involving two coaches that are about to be sacked. Bulldogs defeated GWS by 61 points. 
Really imposing from the dogs. Ben. Might give Be- Bevo another week. Yeah, when is your Bulldogs apology coming, Banjo? When is it coming? What do they I... are so hot at the moment. I got a, They probably will make finals, but I really, really hope they do because they are going to be exciting because they play a different way to a lot of teams play. They're a different style, and they are so hot at the moment that it feels like they can beat a lot of teams. I don't disagree with any going of that the except way. the fact that I'm going to make an <laughs> apology. Um, Come on, <laughs> just say... On the Bulldogs, I was wrong. I was very, very negative on the Bulldogs. And they have had a good year. That's blatantly obvious. Okay, so just say I was wrong. I did not say any of the things you accused me of, so no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, even if you... Look, you definitely said they will win the Third last was too low. I will admit that. Obviously, they're going to make the eight and... Look, Nick Rewald said he reeks as the fifth best team in the competition at the moment, and I don't disagree with him. They are playing fantastic football. Everyone is saying they have the best midfield in the competition. That's a really reasonable argument to make. I haven't thought about it enough to know if I agree with it, but it's not outlandish. Like, yes, they're good. And you were wrong. You were wrong. You had them four Yes, bars. I was wrong. Yes, I agree. I was okay, wrong. Okay, then I was also wrong. Yeah, we're you fine. were more wrong because you, <laughs> you were a lot stronger on it than I was. You were really hard on them. All so I'm going to say is that Aaron Norton has kicked only four more game goals than Nick Larkey in four more games. So let's just, let's just leave it there. He doesn't kick goals. Whatever. Can't kick uh, the goal. Are they going all the way? No. <laughs> no, they're not going all the way, but they could go a fair distance, I think. They play a game could which does be... elevate on the big stage. Yeah. Who in the top four could they beat? They could beat Brisbane. They could on yeah. their day. They could beat Geelong. As I said, I do think Richmond and West Coast are easily the best two teams. Outside of that, I think they have the potential to beat any other team in there. Yeah, Maybe. Which means that they're adding something different to the final. I'm not willing to entertain that any at this point. But GWS, they are cooked. Yeah, they they were in the game too. What like half? They played a really good first half. Like when I was watching it, their second quarter looked like how you'd want GWS to play. Then it just stopped. Yeah, it was really impressive from the Bulldogs. They just turned it on. And left GWS in the dust. Yeah, at what point do we start... Like, when they kick 21 goals in a row one week and 12 goals in a row the next, at what point do we say, dogs are really, really good and teams are really struggling to stop them and it's not so much that those teams are a disaster? <laughs> like We've got to see them play someone that's healthy. And yeah. they're not going to... Like, I'm... I don't think we're going to know anything we don't know now after they beat Adelaide by 50 points. Like, Yeah, they've got Adelaide in Ballarat as yeah, well. They, they are going to play absolutely well, smash them. Probably. And I'm quite high on them at the moment, regardless of what you keep yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I'm, my opinion is not going to get changed about how good they are unless they lose this week. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to be learned. This was a good week for them. The, we learned a lot this week. The Dogs are another team that are real. I, I say about Port Adelaide that they seem to be an emotion-based club. That, that's what I get out of the Dogs as well, mm. is they play a lot off emotion. And when they're hot, they really do ride a wave. And we've obviously seen it to a frightening extent a yeah. few years ago. And at the moment, they seem to be riding a wave. And it'll be interesting to see how long that, that can go for. Probably not all the way, but it could go a little bit at the distance. But anyway, speaking of the Bulldogs, we're now getting on to our... What is their secret weapon that they still have uh, tucked up their sleeve, Banjo? Yeah, just think of the level they could go to exactly. if they bring this bad boy out. It's time for Billy Gower's Watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. 
So I assume he tore up the VFL this week, really uh, started to stamp his case, said, Bevo, pick me, pick me. Uh, uh, um, illness, Spanger. Illness. Oh, so he had a Michael Jordan flu game? He went nuts <laughs> while playing sick? No. He, had to he, run off he, the he, ground he, to throw up? He missed this week, Banjo. Oh. He missed with illness. He but must have been nearly dead. No, so something which is interest, interesting out of all of this. So in order for me to get this information, I had to dig pretty deep. So I, I looked at their VFL report. No mention of Billy Gowers throughout the report. I go onto their forum website. No mention of Billy Gowers. No saying, oh, he was a let everyone know what the their VFL. forum website is just because hilarious. Uh, the Witten Oval online forum or something like that. It stands for Wolf, uh, which is quite good. I'm I love actually, it. I'm actually quite I really impressed with it. it. But uh, no mention of Demon it there. Land. I thought... Maybe he's injured, so I looked at the injury list, and this was it was it was an outdated injury list, so he wasn't mentioned. I eventually found like a very very small clip on their website saying just talking about injuries, and they said Billy Gowers also missed this week with illness, and he's training and he could play this week. But the interest out of all of it, Banjo, do you think this is a little bit of a, a ruse? Do you think just week by week they're trying to just push him down to the bottom of their stories so that people forget that Billy Gowers is around and then they can unleash him? So Scott, for I finals? believe in. Two conspiracies. Yes. Jeffrey Epstein was murdered. <laughs> Billy Gowers is, is going to play round one of finals. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they are holding him back, ready to unleash him. They know they they need a little bit of a boost come finals. They, they are, as you said, are an emotional club. Finals just doesn't do it for them. They need Billy Gowers and finals just to come in. The sun got himself. Just blow the competition wide open. If they bring in Billy Gowers, they are the best team in the competition. Answer me this question, Banjo, and this will put this will make it clear that this conspiracy is true. What other reason could there be for him not being mentioned early on in every article on the Western Bulldogs website? Yeah, they it has to it's be. It's boxing. Something. It's like West Coast hiding Jack Darling before he got drafted. Three conspiracies, I believe. In. <laughs> <laughs> you are bringing some things into it, Banjo, but I think that's where it's at. And uh, watch out. Come finals time for the Bulldogs and Billy Gowers to be unleashed. Anyway, let's move on. Bucci's uh, <laughs> mailbag time. We'll just breeze through these quickly and uh, we'll, then we'll head off. Banjo, my first question is coming your way. Uh, do you think North Melbourne and Carlton supporters regret signing their coaches before the great man Ross the Boss line became available? Undoubtedly. <laughs> no, but it is uh, a funny question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no regrets at all from, from your side of things? No, I. No? <laughs> you love Ross. I don't. I think he's more likely to have had the game pass him by than he is to have uh, to come back and be the league leading coach he was his first few years. I'd I'd be a pretty happy man if he came across as a senior assistant at Melbourne. I would be quite yes, chuffed. But that's not what the question was. It's do we regret appointing a senior coach? <laughs> that was a pooch question. Isn't it? it was. It was. Ben, ben anyway, ben. one for you. Uh, he also asked, "Is it possible to organise rain every time Richmond play?" It is not possible for that, Banjo. Now, I know technology has got to an incredible level in the world these days, but we still do not control the weather, and no, you can't rig it to have Richmond win every game. We could have sprinklers off the top of the G. But what I, what I do like about this question, though, he's conceding that there's a little bit of a, a flaw with, or an issue with Richmond there. He's basically conceding that they won the game because it was wet. So he's suggesting if it was dry, they would have lost. Everybody That's knows what he's that. implying. Everybody knows that. Now I've got another one for you. Also from Pooch, there's a bit of a theme here. Uh, should Melbourne recruit Josh Jenkins? Ah, uh, no. I just, 
I wouldn't get particularly excited about Josh Jenkins. If you give it like a second or third I round suppose, pick. Yeah, we'd get him pretty cheap, wouldn't we? Because mm. he's being forced out of the club. Look, I suppose if we don't give up a heap for him, he, don't pay him too much. Yeah, don't give up a big draft pick or something. I think he would I be a very not. good acquisition for you. I just Brad think- Hill, pick two. Josh Jenkins, pick 50-odd, flag. But, but no, but how much have we talked about Josh Jenkins needs to be on the end of great ball movement and needs to be in a really well-functioning forward line? What would he have been in Melbourne's forward line this year? He would have been Probably better than it. Sam Wiedemann. Not better than Harrison Petty, though. <laughs> hey, I know. I just, I, yeah, I Josh Jenkins a, has been good in a good team. I think I, he's I, an upgrade. He's kicked two goals a game pretty much the last six or seven years. There's very few players that can say that. Yeah, if we if we got him cheap, I wouldn't complain about it. But I'm not going to be celebrating. We're not going to be holding a Josh Jenkins party like we'll be holding a Josh Kelly party. But anyway, Banjo, jeez, you've got a lot of questions written down here. Yeah, we're just breezing through them. All right, Banjo. What game was Chris Scott watching if he said Charlie Cameron had no impact on the game? Yeah, I don't know. That was farcical comments from him he was just angry you could see it in his eyes he was just a bit he had a bit of a tantrum let's be yeah, honest yeah <laughs> like, he was a bit shitty watching the game like he had a massive impact on the game he was easily they looked so much more dangerous he could have kicked seven Charlie he, kicked, he had two regulation shots that he normally kicks those little snaps around the corner from the set shot and he missed two of them one he kicked out on the full yeah. never see that the whole game it felt like if Brisbane are going to get, get over the line. Cameron is going to have a real impact on They have this like Pagan's Paddock system yeah, they the time do. where they just try and kick it over his head and have him run onto yeah, it because he's quicker yeah. than everybody. Well, when they needed to win the game, they isolated Charlie Cameron mm. in the goal square. If As an opposition coach, if he's I'd genuinely not myself. noticing that, uh, yeah. that's that's not good coach. He's either yeah, chuck, chucking a hissy fit or it's He gave him three coaching. coaches' votes. So he had him as the third best player yeah, on the ground. So he knew he was fairly influential, yeah. He so was, he, he was, was lying. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was uh, cracking the shits. But anyway, Banjo, uh, follow-up question, very important question. Uh, when is the Josh Kelly party happening? We and this was not news. asked by me. No, still pooch. This was asked by the pooch. So someone other than me has asked the question because everyone cares about the status of the Josh Kelly party. 28th of September, Woo! Thursday. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure that's the actual day. What day is the grand final? I don't Th- know. Thursday before the grand yeah. final is the more, more accurate way With of the saying The public it. holiday the next Possibly day. Possibly the 28th of September, if that's the way the calendar falls. But it will be on. There will be green stream... Uh, orange streamers. There will be orange <laughs> balloons. There will be Fanta. There will be Punch. There will be Mountain Goat Pale Ales that are orange cans. There will be Mimosas. <laughs> there will be Doritos. Yeah. There will probably... <laughs> Tandoori chicken, which I think might be orange. Mangoes, maybe. Orange everywhere. Orange How cake. How many times are we playing the GWS theme song? Is anything else going to get played? Probably not. That on repeat as well as 22 by it Taylor It is going to be so exciting. I refuse to play that second <laughs> That's great song. <laughs> Love Tay-Tay. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, we have news. a date. <laughs> Book it in your calendar. Oh. Anyway, uh, this one's for you. Is Marcus Adams one of the most underrated stories oh. of the season? Has overcome years of injuries to play career best footy? I wonder who this question is This was is from Dan Crowley. From. Not every underrated story of the year is related to Brisbane. Dan, I was very, very impressed with Marcus Adams' game. But I'm not saying he's one of the most underrated stories of the year. There are shitloads of players who come back from injuries. It's not as if he's had four knee reconstructions or anything. Don't talk about his underrated story. Talk about him as a good player and potentially an important player going into finals. I believe in that. But saying un- most of the, one of the most underrated stories of the year is very much overcooking things, as you generally do, Dan. Is he going to be invited to the party? Absolutely. I don't know if I'll be I hope he shows it. up and makes <laughs> you miserable. And uh, lastly, before we wrap up, oh, 
outside of battle situations. Uh, also from Dan, should Simon Goodwin be renamed to Simon Paulos? Jeez, he's a funny man too, isn't he? Isn't mm-hmm. he, Dan? So he wasn't happy enough with his yes. bad loss gag from a few weeks ago. He had to say Paulos. He is so a he's comedian, just actually. Adding new levels to it everywhere. Hilarious. Legitimately, Hilarious. he's a comedian. Friday night, Mudfest. I don't know where. God, I wish I had some stuff to sling back at people. <laughs> I'm just Yeah, so you are terrible. And Let's finalise this pod banter. Now, I did give a little bit of a teaser last week that we've got down to... We've got five battle situations left to do. Three of them are crap. Two of them are a little bit controversial, a little bit uh, inappropriate, I suggest. But we're going to go with the least inappropriate of those two. Banjo, Fred Flintstone. But his bottom half is made out of a mixed collection of raw horse meat versus Bugs Bunny. But he has been held, starved, and beaten and abused as a Russian prisoner of war. So who was who is he fighting? Sorry, I missed the first. Bit. Uh, Fred Flintstone. Bottom half is raw horse uh, meat. A mixed collection of raw horse meat. So different parts of the horse. Yeah, I guess so. Yes, it's just yes, different parts of the horse. Yes, so okay. I'm guessing that means he's not moving. So he's got no bones. Assuming raw so he's got crow. Yeah, he's. Saying they're raw assumes that it's just like the meat that doesn't well, it's move. Dead it's horse not, meat. Yes. And it's very soft because uncooked. Yes. So no it's bones. just like a big gloop bottom half. So he's got to crawl everywhere. Yes. Versus Bugs Bunny who's been abused. Yes. He's been Well it depends if Bugs Bunny's got held, sort of, starved and beaten as and abused as a it Russian prisoner of war. If Bugs Bunny's been broken or not. If Bugs Bunny has turned into like a reek then obviously yeah, okay, there's yeah. nothing that he can be because he wouldn't fight. But if he's still got some wherewithal, which plenty of Russian prisoner wars have had in the past, they've come yeah. out, they've been able to you know, act for themselves, training beforehand's done them good. I back in Bugs Bunny if he's a real person. Do you think it's possible that his real bunny. spirit may have been lifted by the experience? But look, look, let's be honest. I don't think there's any chance of it being lifted. I just think if he has <laughs> well, some lifted control. He's learnt, uh, you know, to be able to fight an adversity is what he's ah, learned okay. from the experience. And therefore, he'd be good in a fight. But look, let's be honest. I have a lot of respect for all of the people who are in prisoner of war camps. And a lot of them, as you say, have come, come out really tough as a result of the experience. But Bugs Bunny... How, would he, how would he stand up in a prisoner of war? Actually, no. I 100% think he would avoid all abuse by pulling shenanigans. It'd be like the great escape. He's not a good fighter. He's a bloody funny bunny. Have you watched Looney Tunes? Yes. He just toys with Elmer Fudd. Is that the white guy? Yeah, shooting yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Elmer yeah, Fudd. He, yeah. No, I am absolutely... Yeah. Uh, so, he's, yeah, he's smart, I guess. Yeah. yeah, he's tricky. It'd be like the great escape. Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, no matter how much he's been beaten and abused, he's still got his smarts. Yeah. He's still got his intelligence. And he's, I mean, it would, you wouldn't need too much intelligence to beat someone whose bottom half is no horse meat and doesn't move. So Especially when the only mode of transportation they have that's mechanised is really people just running along the ground in a cart that with stone pillars that roll over. <laughs> so he can't, he can't even drive. No, I, I, yeah, I think we're, we're both sitting pretty comfortably on Bugs then. Yeah, and yeah. the Bugs universe has guns. It's true. I, yeah, I think his brain would, would bring him through. Yep, yeah. his craftiness. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Oh, and our teams are playing this week, Scott. Who's going to win? I don't care. I'm, do I have to watch it? You are a broker man. You wouldn't beat Fred Flintstone in a 
with <laughs> raw horse meat. <laughs> no matter how much brains I have. Yeah. You would need, need, don't even need to go to uh, the Russian prisoner of war game. You've been abused that poorly by your like team. I've been there all year. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. Stuff. We'll see you next week. <laughs>